This episode is brought to you by Blue Blocks, who are the original science-backed brand providing fashionable Australian-made blue light management and red light therapy products as seen in Vogue, GQ and L. Jess, I have a quick science lesson for you. So the sun is the most natural source of blue light and rather cleverly, our brains use the light from the sun to regulate our body clocks. When the sun starts to set, this signals to our brains to start producing melatonin, which prepares us for sleep. However, with more and more artificial blue light products in our everyday lives, this quite understandably confuses the F out of our brains. Enter Blue Blocks. They have a range of products which filter down harmful artificial blue light, which come from sources like our phones, laptops, tablets, TVs, and even LED light bulbs. In fact, Harvard University found that too much exposure to blue light not only disrupts our sleep, but can increase our risk of multiple health issues. Our favourite product of Blue Blocks is the Lumi Clip Sleep Plus, which is the most perfect reading light, particularly before bread. Its red light is not only easy on the eye, but can be proven to stimulate melatonin production, which improves sleep. Hurrah! It perfectly clips to your book, it's rechargeable, and the light is easy to manoeuvre. It's been a real game changer. It's a perfect size and super lightweight, which means you can have it on you wherever you go, whether you're travelling, using to read before bed, or even just need to get up in the middle of the night and don't want to turn on an overhead light. Their website is great and breaks down all the science behind their products. So head to blueblocks.com and use code BOOKRECOS15 for 15% off all their products. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use code BOOKRECOS15 for 15% off. Thank you, Blue Blocks. Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. And today, on the day we are releasing this episode, Single Bald Female by Laura Price comes out in the UK. And we are so excited to be chatting with her today about her fabulous new book. The book is about a woman who gets diagnosed with breast cancer, but it's also about living life to the absolute fullest not being scared to be single, female friendships and love in all its forms. Welcome, Laura. Welcome to the Book Crackos podcast. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely honoured to be here on this podcast with you guys. I'm loving the Book Recos podcast. Um, I'm, I'm a new listener, but I'm just absolutely, I'm a big fan of podcasts. So yeah. always happy to have a new one. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on because we loved your book so much. Oh, yeah. um, and honestly just so excited to get into this. Yeah, it was such a joy to read. I think I even DM'd you, like I opened the the book to start and then I just went through the first 50 pages in one go and then yeah. I had to commute to the office and I read like 150 pages in one go again and then I posted on Instagram that I was that awful person that reads a book while walking along because I was like I need to I need to know what's going on so I was just walking along <laughs> reading it um but um anyway Laura we usually ask I usually ask Lauren to read the blurb of a book but you're here um so please can you tell our listeners um what single bald female is about of course. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm I'm just, I mean, every time I hear that, I'm obviously a debut author and every time I hear that someone's really enjoyed it, I just like, it hasn't sunk in yet. I haven't got used <laughs> to it yet. And I, I definitely haven't got like big headed from it yet. So people can, <laughs> if people love it, then please 
let them message me and tell me because yeah. I need to need to know that yeah, um, and that goes probably for all authors so single bald female is a novel about a person called Jess whose best friend is called Lauren so <laughs> we love extra, it. extra appropriate for this podcast um, so Jess is a, basically smashing it at life. She's a young magazine journalist. She's got the amazing job on the magazine. She's got the boyfriend. She's got the flat. She's even got the cat. Until um, basically everything falls to pieces. She is diagnosed with breast cancer. That's not really a spoiler because um, well, it's kind of all over the marketing <laughs> for the book. And she also breaks up with her boyfriend. So um it's about everything that happens after that. So she kind of plunges herself into the world of online dating with a bald head. Um, and although lots of people will think that it's a book about breast cancer, which it obviously is, it's also a book that's very much about friendship and family and love and getting the most out of life and just kind of living it, learning to live with the stuff that life throws at you. Such a brilliant synopsis. Yeah. Because you're so right. It's Yes, there's an aspect of it that is about cancer, but it's not all about cancer. It's about learning to live. It's about Jess learning to live with her diagnosis and going on as normal as possible, which really comes through and, you know, made the book so funny and lighthearted as well as serious. Yeah. yeah. Um. So your website, Laura, has a section on it called The Big Scary C Word, where you documented... Um, your own diagnosis with breast cancer, which was, I think, over nine years ago now. So we're sort of assuming that a lot of the inspiration you took for single ball female was based on your own experience to some extent. So wondering when did you get the idea to write this book? Was it maybe during your treatment or was it or like how long has it taken for you to put pen to paper? Because I imagine it must have been quite an emotional process to write about as well. Yeah, um, very good question. So actually, the big scary C word was the blog that I started in June 2012, when I was diagnosed. So I was diagnosed on the Friday. And I think I started writing that on the Saturday. And it was oh just my, my it was just my way to deal with it. And it was actually like a lot of people say that they do these things so that no one else suffers. And you know, that's okay. obviously one of my reasons. But my other reason was just that I didn't want to tell everyone I knew by phone or by message yeah so I just created this blog and um and that kind of ran solidly for a year and then since then I've just updated it once a year on my cancerversary as they call it which is going to be 10 years this June the 22nd so I will be celebrating um but after about six months of doing that blog the big scary c word I started a blog for the Huffington Post and um uh, about eight months after I finished my I had chemotherapy, radiotherapy and surgery, and I then moved back to Dublin, where I was working for Facebook. And at that point, I'd been single for the whole of my cancer treatment. And at that point, I was ready to start dating again. And so I decided to put myself on a dating website. But I was like, how do I deal with this issue of not having any hair, having a wonky boob, don't know whether I'm going to be fertile or not. And obviously, you know, guys do want to know all of those things so do I lie and post my picture with them um, uh with all my hair from before cancer or do I go for the whole yeah. um, bald and you know just be completely honest with it and I was 30 then and I was 29 when I was diagnosed and um I think I had a lot more 
can I say balls than I perhaps do now <laughs> I don't think I would do this now but I did actually post I did actually post this profile of um, me with a bald head and explained that I had breast cancer and that I was going through radiotherapy and blah 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 and so um, and I had this incredible experience actually I ended up meeting a guy who was really nice it didn't work out but he kind of you know he was happy with the the bald head and you know didn't care that uh, you know I didn't have any hair oh my or anything. goodness was and, his name um, Alejandro <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't <laughs> and so after a few months after that experience I wrote this post for the Huffington Post called single bald female seeks about that experience of dating after cancer and a few years after that I think in 2016 I was like do you know what I think I'm ready to start writing a book and I wanted it to be a novel. And so the the, the name Single Ball Female always stuck. Yeah. But from there, so that was six years ago, to, the, to, to from when I started writing it to when it's published will be six years. And during that time, I developed this whole fictional story. So Jess is definitely not me. Um, and her friendships and her relationships are definitely not mine. Yeah. Um, the whole, the Johnny, who's, the, who's her partner at the beginning of the story, is not based on anyone I know um, at all, nor is her kind of past. Um, Jess has also lost her mother in the book. I fortunately am fortunate enough to still have my mom in my life and she's never had cancer which is wonderful um but the thing that was more inspired by my story was um the actual experience of having cancer because that's a hard one to make up if you've not had it and obviously my experience of dealing with chemotherapy and Mm -hmm. and all those things were kind of yeah that that sort of came from my experience yeah well that like so completely shows and honestly thank you so I work for a charity that support children and families through serious illness so I thought like I knew a bit about cancer and chemotherapy but your book is so informative and I had no idea about say um, the change to your fingernails and how painting them black (laughs) might help and I just loved how detailed it was like right down to the sharp scratch of like putting all these things (laughs) in her body and like how she felt during and then like how she felt worse than a hangover the next day and like seeing it all on a page written really obviously about all the different feelings like I then felt it read like obviously not to the whole extent but like I really had this understanding and I just did not appreciate how much a person undergoes during it so yeah thank you for including all of that in it and um how was that writing about it all again yeah I mean I'm, you know, I'm 10 years out of this experience and I am fortunate enough to be okay right now. You know, I'm not actively having cancer treatment apart from the um, tablets that I take, the hormonal tablets that I take. And I know a lot of people, I've met a lot of people over the last 10 years who, you know, have either died from cancer or have lived with cancer for years and years and years and and are, are, are facing ongoing treatment all the time. So like, I don't ever want to say I've been through the most horrendous experience because I've seen people go through, through so much worse than actually mine in comparison, not that you should compare, but mine in mm. comparison was pretty easy. And I think perhaps the emotional stuff was harder than the, yeah. the physical stuff that I went through. Mm. But, um, but writing about that for me, I think I've always found it easier to write about what I know and what I've actually experienced so describing the things like the nurses always say sharp scratch (laughs) right before they inject you (laughs) and um and I loved I actually loved 
um, writing down those things. Those were the easiest parts of the book for me to write. Um, I think imagining Jess's life and friendships and love story around that was was the harder bit. But I don't think I found it particularly emotional or sad. Um, actually, some of the more emotion filled pieces were some of the poignant moments that happened with Jess's dad in the book. Yeah. Um, and, and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. She does have a lovely relationship with her dad. And every time that you wrote, I just want my mum. Like, I just oh want my a card from my mum. Like, Jess wanting that. Like, I was like, oh my God, of, of course you'd want your mum. Like, they, I can imagine that, yeah, of course the emotional stuff must be harder because I like, so felt every emotion <laughs> reading yeah. out all oh, her relationships. Thank you. It's and that so- that actually, oh sorry, um, that actually came from like my own experiences. Whenever I fortunately, when I had the cancer treatment, I went back to live with my mum and dad in Huddersfield because um I was living in Dublin when I was diagnosed, but I went back to live with them and I had all my treatment in Manchester. So they were there and they were by my side for the whole mm-hmm. thing. But I recalled I have lived abroad quite a lot in South America where my mum was very far away. And whenever I got sick then, I always just had that thing. of yeah. I just want my mum. And you do, don't you? So, yeah, I think that came from there. That's amazing. All the, to Jess's point, all the scenes where she mentioned her mum had me sobbing because oh. I just I was just like, I can't imagine doing that and not having your mum um but anyway for anyone who's listening I am somebody who gets very queasy so I almost like read this book a little bit apprehensive that oh my god it might be a little bit like might make me feel a bit queasy but it wasn't at all like you've done it in such an approachable way and normalized the topic in such a way that it feels um it's not you know it just feels really um, well, obviously it's authentic because it's an, an experience that you genuinely went through but I also was in the shower the other day and I checked my boobs Yay! So anything like that's like an incredible takeaway for anybody to yeah. read this book like check your boobs basically um, but I want to talk about Jess not our not not <laughs> Jess not you but Jess of the book <laughs> because I am in absolute awe of her I know she's a fictional character but bloody hell what a woman she went through all of that um process of her chemo chemotherapy all whilst working as a job at uh, working her job as an editor at a huge women's um lifestyle magazine so can you talk us a little bit through your decision as to why you made sure she stayed in her job throughout her chemo I mean for example there's a point I think it's where Aisha says to her God, Jess, you're smashing it. You know, you're in this, you're continuing working throughout your chemo. And then she says, even though personally, I don't think you should be doing this. And I almost felt a bit reassured when Aisha said that. because I was like, good, I'm glad she doesn't feel like she has to keep working. Um, But like, what was your decision behind that? That decision? So first to to clarify to everyone, I didn't work throughout my... um, chemo so I had just started a new job and they very generously said go on leave take as long as you want you don't need to work but I needed something to do during that time and that's when I started writing the blog so I was actually a financial news journalist before I was diagnosed and I wrote about stocks and shares and all of that stuff and then I started writing about me and my emotions and my um, my whole experience. 
Um, and that it was kind of what gave me life and kept me going. And I think everyone needs a cause. Um, so I think that everyone has to do what they um, feel comfortable doing and, you know, what mm. is good for them. And I definitely wouldn't recommend that you carry on, you know, if you're diagnosed with cancer, that you carry on your work if you don't want to or if you don't feel capable of doing so mm. but I know a lot of people who have whether whether by necessity because obviously not everyone can yeah. afford to not work and not everyone's company will give them that leave um but I do also know that a lot of people just need that to keep going and need yeah. their purpose and I think with Jess you know it gave her purpose um yeah. And I think also there's also that element of, you know, there's there's often an element of fear of, you know, will the company let me go if I don't stay? Yeah. And sometimes in that fierce magazine world, you know, um, that is what people feel. Um, but yeah, and also it just worked with the storyline, <laughs> yeah. you know, writing articles and things. So. Yeah. 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 yeah, I loved her articles, especially, um, I won't spoil it, but one towards the end of the book, which um, actually brings me on to what I want to talk about. Um, so, you know, it touches on career and career life, but it also, a huge part of it is female friendships. And we've acknowledged that there's characters called Jess and Lauren that are friends. Um, and Lauren, this took me back to, do you remember when, um, so my boyfriend sent a video of like some American YouTubers analyzing women's names. And there was one, one of them, they said, a Jess is always friends with a Lauren. And at the time we were like, oh my God. And clearly you got the memo too. Lauren has like three friends that are all called Jess. I really do. Um, so yeah, we loved that. But what I really loved was also like about how um, her friend Kate um, has just had a baby and she's very busy being a mum and, and dealing with that as a new mum and then her friend Lauren gets engaged and she's very busy with wedding planning and so I was sort of reading it like oh no is this all going to be like really bitter women friendships but actually it's not and it was mm. so refreshing I think we've read so many books where everyone's really bitter about their friend who has a baby or gets married or yeah or whatever and this was so nice that you know they were just all really open and honest with their struggles with what they're excited about supporting each other organizing a hen do during chemotherapy <laughs> and like it was just so refreshing. So thank you. Yeah. And I wondered and what they're jealous about too. Yeah. That's really refreshing. Yeah. It was just so nice. Um, and I wondered, we, were you always going to write it to be that way? I know there are moments of tension, um, but did you always set out like, no, I want this to be positive and I want it to be a nice friendship. I always, so friendship is so complicated. And when you have cancer, it's so complicated too. Like, you know, we always have this thing in the films of when someone gets cancer, the friends always shave their hair off in solidarity. Yeah. And I don't think that ever happens in real life and nor should it. Like I, yeah. you know, if one of my friends had cancer, I wouldn't be like, woo, let's shave my hair off because, you know, that's not necessarily going to help anyone. And also what people say, people don't know what to say to you when you're diagnosed with cancer. And so I have a chapter about that and, you know, yeah. stuff people say to you when you're diagnosed because people often say the wrong thing. And I don't think it should be on them to necessarily say the right thing because, you know, it's a whole learning process. And, and sometimes, you know, I had the impression that it was harder for my friends than it was for me because they were the ones that felt helpless seeing me going through that. So actually the character Lauren, who is Jess's best friend, um, she went through some changes. So when the actual, um, uh, an initial draft version a few years ago, before I got my agent, Lauren's initial reaction 
to Jess having cancer was a lot more selfish um, and it wasn't meant to be. So in my head, Lauren wasn't meant to react selfishly because she was a bad friend or because she um, felt badly towards Jess. It was because she was going through so much herself. And my agent kind of came to me and said, look, um, you need to tone this down a bit because Lauren's coming across not very nicely. Mm. And actually, I think you do intend her to be nice. So um, it was funnier. It was possibly funnier before. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but now Lauren's much nicer. And that was always my intention. I, I just wanted to convey the complicated element of female friendships, as well as the added complication of when one of you has cancer. But I also wanted to show what goes on in the life of a woman in her 20s or 30s or 40s when one of you is single, one of you is getting married, one of you is having a baby, one of you is having their second or third baby and all the complicated feelings that go with that. And I, I wanted to try and convey as well that, you know, I as a I was a single woman throughout my 20s and 30s, whilst most of my friends were having babies and getting married. And I felt the, you know, the difficult element of that. But so did they. Mm-hmm. And I think they saw me, you know, doing things in my career that they might like to have done while they were having children. And I and I felt that, you know, perhaps jealous that they had met them out of their dreams and were settling down. But they f- perhaps felt jealous that I was able to go and live in Brazil for a year or whatever. So, yeah, I just mm-hmm. wanted to show that just because it seemed to Jess that her lives had these perfect her friends' lives were perfect. Actually, they weren't. And actually, her friends were all struggling for different reasons. Yeah. Love that. And I don't know if it's just me, but whenever I come across my name in a book, I feel almost like a little bit responsible for what that character does. <laughs> so when Lauren was being a bit of a dick at some points, like on her hand, I was like, Lauren, step up. Come on. Yeah, I was <laughs> always like, Jess, down. you're doing great. Well done, Jess. Love it. Love your work. <laughs> Um, so there's so many emotions that you feel during your book, Laura, which we've touched on. Um, there are so many moments of like pure joy and happiness and moments where I, like I said, I cried and empathized with Jess and her new friend, Annabelle, who she um, befriends in the hospital. Are there, like, this is kind of putting you on the spot, but what would you say are the biggest lessons you learned maybe through going through your cancer treatment or just by writing the book? Oh, I mean, I think Annabelle probably encapsulates a lot of those things. Um, So I I think it's just that idea that life is short and it's such a cliche, but it's so apparent to me and has been for the last 10 years. And, you know, I kind of changed my career as a result of having cancer because before I was doing this job in financial journalism, which I loved and which paid well and which got me to travel all over the world. But I wasn't happy and I wanted to go work in magazines and I wanted to write a book and do all these things. And I've always had ever since then, I've always had cancer in the back of my head saying, if you want to do it, do it now. Mm. And that's the sort of thing that I live by. And you can't live by that every day because you can't live every day as it, it as if it's your last because you would just never get anything done. You'd be <laughs> skydiving or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's probably the main learning. Um, what else have I learned? Oh, I don't know. R- writing the book? Um, writing, ri- yeah. writing a book is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I get that 
Um, and I just hearing you said, you know, you can't, it will be the cancer in your head that's like, yeah, do it. I hope that from reading this book, I can do that without having to have had cancer. And I should be like, no, you should do that. Like you should, everyone mm. should be living their life to the fullest. So thank you for writing a book that's so full of hope and happiness, as Lauren said. Um, one thing that I have to address is the baking because mm-hmm. this book made me crave donuts so, so much. much. I'm not even a big donut person. And I saw one in M&S yesterday and I was like, I need that donut. <laughs> I am a big donut person. So this made me want to go and get one. Um, and I just wanted to know, are you a baker or is this something that you were like, I'd love to be a baker, but I'm not. So I'm going to make Jess a baker. No, so so my other life, my other job is as a food writer. So I write about restaurants and chefs and their lives. And I spend a lot of time eating and I'm obsessed with food. Donuts. So there's a specific donut from Bread Ahead in London. That's the, the filled custard donut, which I love <laughs> and which inspired the donuts in the book. And I've actually got those donuts coming to my book launch. So I'm yeah, really amazing. happy about that. <laughs> but um, I'm not a donut baker. So I did do a donut baking class at Bread Ahead in order to write that chapter for the book. But I actually bake brownies um, with yeah, salted sea salted brownies. Um, oh, but yeah, I just, I just wanted, so Jess, before she starts her job at the lifestyle magazine in the book, she's been the editor of a baking magazine. And before that she grew up in the tea rooms that her mum and dad ran. Um, so yeah, baking is sort of in her blood yeah. as food is in mine. <laughs> and, um, I want to write more food based storylines from here on. So then, so my next book is definitely going to be more food based oh that well that's something to look forward to yeah (laughs) um so this is your debut novel and I know um our listeners love to uncover as much from authors about their writing experience as possible so how did you approach the writing experience are you someone who is quite regimented with your writing schedule or like you know you had dedicated times in your day where you'd write and what was the process of getting the book published like what writing schedule (laughs) (laughs) um no I'm not I I, so I wrote this in my spare time when I had a full-time job um, writing it on evenings and weekends as I say I started it in 2016 it took me until was it maybe 2019 before I had the final final draft ready to pitch to an agent and in the in the meantime I went I joined the Faber Academy in London and did a course with them which I did because I wanted to I wanted to be held accountable so I wanted the peer pressure of finishing it and the kind of weekly you know the group feedback on it I was at that stage where I needed feedback in order to carry on and I actually had a group of 15 people my class of 15 people and we still um, have regular zoom calls every couple of weeks to critique each other's work and they've been absolutely amazing Um, so I pitched to an agent in 2019 and got an agent straight away Um, actually actually um, yeah so so that part was like easier than I expected it to be but then the getting the publishing deal was harder so I um, the book sold at preempt in Germany which means um, if anyone doesn't know it it basically the the publisher in Germany HarperCollins wanted it straight away so they offered and it didn't then go out to loads of other publishers 
Um, and then the pandemic hit and I hadn't got a UK book deal yet. And I went away and rewrote um, a, a huge part of the book. So it's very different from what it is now. The, the, the kind of the last um, three quarters of it are the yeah. same, but the first quarter changed completely. And I went away and developed Jess more, which is why I'm really, really happy that you, you guys love Jess. um and yeah and then I got my editor um Jane Osborne at Pam at Millen in like mid-pandemic and then it's been a year and a about a year and a half to publication from then so um yeah it's been a really long really long I was going to say journey then but Jess wouldn't like it (laughs) actually we should talk about that quickly because like I went back and changed a caption on one of our recent posts about um, <laughs> someone's mother who dies of cancer. And I used the phrase like lost her battle. And I just, as I was typing, I was like, why How did that? That is a not thing? a phrase I would ever yeah. use about anything apart from cancer. And someone somewhere has put it on marketing and it's just like the phrase that everyone yeah. uses, but do you want to have the floor to sort of explain why that's annoying and also the word journey <laughs> and like so that our <laughs> listeners know um obviously they're gonna go and buy the buy the book and read it but give them a heads up <laughs> yeah I mean I think there's a few words in the words and phrases in the cancer world that really upset and anger people um but the the battle one is that you know a lot of newspapers will say so and so lost their battle with cancer and I think the suggestion is that they could have done more to fight it whereas in actual fact you know you can't do anything against cancer the doctors can give you as much treatment as they can and and it works or it doesn't work but there's not really anything you can do and people saying oh have you tried mindfulness and have you drank turmeric lattes you know it's not really it's not going to get rid of your cancer. So it's just sort of a bit patronizing and insulting, I think, that phrase. But for me, um, it's just all about let's let's just be let's just say what it is. So if a person dies, then the person died. They didn't you didn't lose them and you, they didn't, you know, um, lose their battle. But at the, at the same time, whilst a lot of people get angry about those phrases, I'm very realistic in the sense that I know people don't mean mean badly when they say those yeah. things. So, mm-hmm. you know, cut them a bit of slack. Um, but with the journey one I always try not to use the word journey because it just reminds me of the x factor (laughs) (laughs) and also I think um, the book mentions the the the, when people say cancer survivor Um, the cancer survivor thing is just it can be upsetting for people who live with cancer yeah Um, but at the same time I understand that you know if you have been through cancer and you've had successful treatment that you might want to call yourself a cancer survivor and that's that's obviously fine but it's just bearing in mind always those people who have incurable cancer mm. and can't call themselves survivors and you know mm. just um I think we we all have a lot to learn about people who live with cancer and people who deal with that as their everyday life they are not dying of cancer they are living with cancer which yeah. is two different things and it is possible to live quite a a long healthy well healthy-ish life with cancer and you know still do things and still have fun and still laugh and absolutely and Annabelle is the complete um embodiment of that isn't isn't she 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 sort of is the advocate for Jess for normalizing how you know we talk about death and also how we talk how we live in the moment um so 
yeah that's I, I loved Annabelle just mm-hmm. like the energy literally just oozes from the page every time she's in a scene it's so great you can't help but smile yeah um, I'm so happy about that I don't know where Annabelle came from she's like a figment <laughs> of my imagination yeah. but um, yeah I'm, I'm really happy that everyone seems to love Annabelle Annabelle oh, she's great um so you did um just mention that you were already thinking about your next book um <laughs> bit cheeky to us but I don't suppose have you started writing it yet or are you like let's just get this one out <laughs> and then we can <laughs> think about it yeah, I have started writing it and I had the idea quite a long time ago, but I've, I'm not far enough along with it that um, that I could really say anything about it. Apart from that, it will involve another strong woman, Great. obviously, and um, and it will involve a lot of food as Great. well. Great. Can't wait. Oh, Can't wait. This is this is an, a complete accidental pun, but I stopped myself before I said it, but it's like that's a great recipe for a great book. <laughs> uh, yes, but it is, and I'm going to read it. <laughs> It is. I can't wait to read it already. Um, Laura, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. We really, really appreciate your time and for sending us copies of your absolutely incredible book. It reminds us the day it comes out. Well, we're going to put this episode out on the day it comes out. So people listening to this, go and buy. Um, 14th of April, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Oh. Perfect. Um, but Laura, before you go, please, can you give our listeners a book reco? Oh, yeah. Well, I've just read Careering by Daisy Buchanan. Oh, I just so absolutely good. loved it. I just it was just a perfect book. Yeah. Um, but let me also say so for anyone who's listened to this podcast and is interested in, in perhaps continuing to learn about the cancer experience. Um, my friend Chris Halenga, who founded the charity Copperfield, um, wrote an amazing memoir last year called Glitter and sorry, called Glittering a Turd. <laughs> and it's out in paperback in the summer and it's just brilliant, life affirming, just absolutely wonderful. So everyone should read it. Everyone. Fantastic. Great. We definitely will. And we'll put that in the show notes so that everyone can go and refer to it. Yeah. Um, Laura, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you. Go and read and buy this. You really won't regret it. You're going to have a great time. Um, You're going to love Jess and Lauren. (laughs) All Jess and Lauren's are great. (laughs) And yeah, Laura, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. We give you a chance to win an April Books the Matter box. The theme is reading K-drama and includes a beautiful tote bag, a snack and some Korean skincare goodies. There are two ways to enter. If, like me, you listen on Apple Podcasts, then subscribe, leave a rating and review and use your Instagram handle as your nickname on the review. Or if, like me, you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, then follow the podcast on that platform and share a screenshot on your Instagram story tagging at Book Records when you can't link you that way. Entries for the April box close on Monday the 25th of April and the winner will be announced on our Instagram on Wednesday the 27th of April. If you're listening to this at a later date, then don't worry, it's a monthly competition, so still enter and we'll count your entries towards whatever box it is at the time. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.